the word narrow comes to mind. People just don't like the word narrow. It's too narrow. So it's too narrow. For you to say that's the only way, there's just something wrong about that. Welcome to The Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. I'm Blaine Larson, and today we're going to discuss, aren't all paths to God equally valid? My guest today is Don Barkley. Don is a graduate of Wheaton College, and he went on to get his Master's of Theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. And since 1984, he's been on staff with Search in Orange County. Don, thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome, Blaine. Great to be here. Well, we're, we're, we're glad. Glad to have you uh, on the Search podcast here. So we're talking about an important question. Aren't all paths to God equally valid? Man. This is going to be fun. So, where do we start with this? Well, I think that question usually comes out of the uh, kind of emotional reaction to religious people who say their way is the only way. And so, it comes down, I think, what bothers people the most is the word narrow comes to mind. People just don't like the word narrow. It's too narrow. It's It's too narrow. For you to say that's the only way, there's just something wrong about that. It was one of uh, my big objections, hmm. quite honestly, and really? growing up in the Pacific Northwest and didn't have any exposure to any of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast now. But it was one of the things that I thought, I'd go, why would I want to be part of something that's so narrow-minded and judgmental? It just it, That was my perception, and I didn't want to be part of it. Yeah, people don't want a neighbor who's narrow-minded. But uh, that's different than narrow, and I, I think that's what we're going to talk about. Some that's what I would like to talk about. Some, but but just to just to uh, acknowledge the fact that most people, I included, have found narrow-minded religious people. There are Christians who are narrow-minded, and um, and they're not easy to be around. They they have a kind of a haughty attitude of I'm smarter than you, that sort of thing, and that's different than narrow, which is what I would like to. Address. Yeah. So, give us the distinction right up here up front. So, you define narrow as opposed to narrow-minded. How? Well, narrow is just just the fact that there is there is a limited way to access something. There's a limited way, for instance, to go into the west side of Yosemite National Park. There's you got to go through a tunnel. And there's a narrow way, for instance, that you fly any place. On this flight today, as, as you know, I couldn't just walk in the way I wanted. I couldn't get on the plane I wanted. I had to say, where is the plane that is going to Dallas? Where is the, is the plane that will take me to Dallas-Fort Worth? There was a narrowness about it all the way. There's a particular gate that I had to go to. Um, we're used to unleaded gas only, the onlys of life. Um, that's how we live. We're used to narrow. You know, not many people have access to the front door of my home. Well, that's narrow of you, Don. There's only one way to get in the house, and that's to have your permission. But that's kind of how we live. We, uh, we deal with doors, and doors are not only um, open, but most of them are closed to us. That only, There's a certain way that you get through a door, a certain way that you access um, an itinerary to travel to DFW, for instance. So that's what I'm talking about. We're used to narrow. This is my kid. This is not your kid. Well, that's narrow to claim that child as your own. No, we're very used to that. Um, in fact, we think it's it would be awful to not believe that, but to take ownership of a particular truth 
is narrow. So from saying two plus two is two, that's pretty narrow. Two plus two equals four is that's pretty narrow. First of all, did I say two <laughs> oh, yeah. plus two equals two? Don is our expert here. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Didn't you know two plus two equals two? In California, it we we allow for that kind of uh, you know um, open-minded thinking, <laughs> but. Yeah, as an example of, of narrowness, um, you still have to be correct. And correctness, see how you didn't believe me that 2 plus 2 equals 2. See how narrow-minded of you, Blaine, you know? So, math is one of those things. So, that's the difference. Narrow-mindedness is more of an attitude of, of um, pride and, and uh, arrogance. Uh, narrowness is just a fact of life. Mm. So, as we think about this concept of narrowness and we apply it to questions of religion and our topic mm-hmm. today aren't all paths to God equally mm-hmm. valid. Uh, help me unpack how this applies. Okay. Well, one is um, one is to say that that we have to realize that the claims of any religious tradition is going to be a narrow path. That each well, hold one, on a second. So that's yeah. that's a that's a big yeah. statement, even mm-hmm. in and of itself, right? So all the religions don't actually agree on everything. That's Is correct. That okay, that's correct. They don't. So they have a certain way. So that, a, a, for instance, a philosophical Hindu doesn't agree with a with a Nichiren Buddhist on certain fundamental things. There's a narrowness uh, applied there, and. The the claim that Christianity makes is that there is one way. Jesus himself, you know, is one of the most famous passages quoted in this topic is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, which is uh, pretty narrow. And uh, I think we have to realize that that all religious traditions have a truth that they believe in, and that that means they ex- exclude or think other beliefs aren't as true as theirs. So there's a narrowness assorted, uh, associated with each of these traditions. Jesus is, is uh, particularly unique in that he says, I am the way. I am the only way. And um, so, and that, that again, to me, that isn't, because it's narrow, doesn't make it false. Because, for instance, if I, Jesus is, is claiming to be the savior of the world, that without him, you're, you're in trouble that as the Savior, without Him, you're going to experience spiritual death forever. That's a, that's a pretty scary thing. And, uh, and yet we, we deal with that in our own lives. Uh, for instance, if you have a fatal disease, and you know that you have a fatal disease, and the medical professionals say, you know, there is, fortunately, a wonderful cure. It's not just treatable, it's curable. And uh, and this is an amazing, um, amazing discovery that that we think can be available to you, and uh, and if you take it, you will not die of this disease. So the question is, if you refuse to take the only cure to a fatal disease, what will happen to you? You will die. Now we would say we wouldn't object to the narrowness of that. What we might object is to is do I really have the need to take that? But assuming that I have the need and the necessity is there, then I don't say, but that's too narrow. No, I would, I would applaud, I would celebrate that there is this one way to take care of my big problem. Yeah, so we're really, when we, we're 
talking about statements Jesus made, Christianity, we're talking about a solution. We've got to back up a second and look at problems. Mm -hmm. And one thing that was interesting to me as I looked at this question uh, myself and over the years and, and so forth was that the that every religion, major religion in the world, sees a problem with the way things are, with humanity, with creation. There, there, there's an assumption of a problem. The problem <laughs> is that they don't agree on the problem. <laughs> and so the solution is different in in every one, and where where you're going is different in everyone because you've started with a foundation of a problem that that is different. So you're you're building. You're if you're using mm-hmm. the analogy of a mountain that I've heard before, God's like a mountain. You can choose your path as long as you get to the top. Well, it's really like there's diff- there's all kinds of different mountains people are even describing. And so for this podcast. Uh, We're going to deal with all of these other questions on other podcasts, but for this one, let's just take a look at the problem presented from a Christian view and the solution, and then why why it has to be that way. Right. Um, As I understand the uh, the Bible's main message is that each human being was made in the image of God. And that God loves each person infinitely and wants to have an eternal relationship with them. That's, that's the foundation. He's the creator. He wants a relationship with us. And wanting that relationship meant that he wasn't going to program us or coerce us into that relationship. That because it's going to be a love relationship, there needs to be the free will to choose or to deny that relationship. There not only has to be on the voting ballot a yes box, there has to be a no box as well. If it were just a yes box, like Henry Ford, you can have any color of car you want as long as it's black. You know, you can do anything you want, God says, as long as it's follow me. No, he says, I give you the dignity because of love, the potential of a love relationship that you can choose um, to say no to me. And the story of the Bible is that that's what humanity did, was in the desire for independence to say no to God. And God um, allowed us that distance and gave us the privilege of even saying no. And the fallout of that was brokenness, a brokenness in relationships, a brokenness in a relationship with God, a brokenness that, that trickled down to brokenness between the first human beings I mean, the first couple had two sons, and one kills the other one. That's not a very good start. There's a brokenness in, in society, in community, in the world. So that sense of, of moral evil isn't just a problem that laws are being broken, but we, we, we experience a loss of meaning, a loss of closeness to God, a loss of goodness, experiencing real goodness. And, um, and we look around the world today, that fits reality. Um, so the problem is that we're created for a relationship, and that relationship has been compromised. There's a distance that's been made because of our our independence. And to me, it's a it's a it talks it's about the love of God. He wants us to love Him, not just serve Him mechanically or robotically. He wants us to love Him. If I go to a wedding, and I I say, what a sweet 
sweet wedding this is, but somebody says, well, you know, the bride is being forced to marry this guy. She doesn't love him. She's being forced. I mean, just look at her face. All of a sudden, a sweet affair becomes an ugly one. There's nothing sweet about being coerced into an eternal love relationship with God, and God won't do that. And, and so this distance between us, between humanity and God in the Bible is, is talked about as death. Mm-hmm. And it's multifaceted, but death has the idea of separation right. relationally. And, and in the story presented there, it also has the idea of our, our physical deaths. Right. I mean, there's a, yep. you look around the world, uh, all of us are going to die. Everybody who's mm-hmm. lived so far has died. Mm-hmm. And how do we explain that? And every religion, worldview, has got to, it's got to line up with the way things are. And we've, we've got to address this, it's an elephant in the room problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's the problem we're trying to address, relational separation and the fact that there's death and, and chaos and corruption in the world. So right. as we, we take that as the starting point here, if, if that's the problem, and again, we can, we're going to unpack the reasoning behind that in another podcast, mm-hmm. but if that's the problem, why is there a, quote, narrow solution and not many solutions? Right. Part of it is our understanding of justice and what justice means. And justice is a very popular concept, social justice, individual justice, justice that should be brought to a victim of, of evil. Um, and with that comes the facing up to the fact that there is a, a one who is a judge who brings justice. Um, to believe in justice that it's a real thing, not just a, a, a tribe's opinion or a society's opinion or an individual's opinion, but that justice really is good, I think is rooted in the character of God. God is a just God. And God being a just God, we are to ultimately uh, face Him. And the Christian view is that, that when we face Him, we are carrying with us our track record of moral imperfection, and that we have offended, in a way, him. Now he's infinite. If I offend, if I offend a finite thing, like if I if I got this from a friend of mine, I liked it. it if I if I uh, punch the cat next door, it makes my 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 neighbor not like me, and the cat especially. <laughs> yeah. If I punch the neighbor, same punch, it's the consequences are even bigger. Maybe assault and battery charges. If I punch the governor of the state or a police officer, that's even different. So you see, it's the same punch. The magnitude of the consequences is in keeping with who I have punched. So it's who I have offended. So if I offend the president of the United States, that's different than offending the cat. What would it be like? What would be the just penalty if I offend the infinite God? What would the consequence of that be to offend the infinite? Well, the penalty and consequence would have to fit that as well. And so this is one of the major areas of disagreement between the world's religions, as we're talking about aren't all the paths valid or the same. Right. Uh, they view the solution that 
Christianity offers in Jesus, they really they view who he is very differently in his his purpose. And so right. as we as we kind of wrap up this mm-hmm. topic, I think this would be a great place to land the plane, as it were, on right. on how do we how do the various views of of Jesus look? And then what mm-hmm. is the solution that's presented by the Christian view? I think most of the other, uh, as I understand it, the other four major religious traditions, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, are in a way paths to rectify the, the, the despair or the, the sense of suffering or whatever. Um, a path that, if performed in many reincarnational lives, according to Hinduism and Buddhism, or to a certain extent in Islam and Judaism, keeping the law, the Torah, for instance, or uh, following the, the five pillars of Islam, etc., assumes that I can do this if I work hard enough at it. What Christianity says is, no, you don't understand the problem. You're more like the Chilean miners in 2010 who were, who were trapped a half a mile down into the into the rock <laughs> surface of the earth for 69 days there was no climbing out there was no there was no simple if i work hard enough see the problem of, of offending the infinite god is we're deeper down into our stuff into our problem than than we think we are christianity is the one that says i know that i know that you are and each chilean miner was rescued because each one chose to step into the capsule that had been provided by digging down alongside the miners, half a mile down, and then cabling them up one by one. Each miner had to choose a narrow path, yes, but it was necessary, and they recognized it. What Jesus Christ brings to the table is he is perfectly man, perfectly God, as as the Christian teaching says, as the Bible teaches. He's, He's man so that he can die, and represent us, and he's God, so he can be an infinite payment to adequately pay for, redeem our situation, us having offended the infinite God. And so Jesus Christ, if he's God, and if he's man, dying for sins, being raised from the dead, which shows that maybe what he's saying was really true. Anybody who rises from the dead, I would listen to then it makes our situation more like the Chilean miners than it does like somebody who has to dig their way out of a, a cave-in, for instance. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great way to put it. I remember being captivated by that story of the miners when, mm. when it was happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great illustration of our situation. So, Don, uh, this, this, of course, has many practical implications. Uh, what would you like to leave me, leave our listeners thinking about as it, as it pertains to, okay, you know, now, now what do I do? What difference mm-hmm. could this make in mm-hmm. my life? Well, one thing about Jesus, I think you'd like him. I think you would love him. He loves you. That's different. It's, we're not talking about a way or a philosophy or a teaching. We're talking about a person that, who came and experienced our life, experienced our brokenness, and did what, what only he could do to bring us to wholeness and to heal, real healing. And so he is worth investigating. If you've never read, for instance, if you've never read um, about Jesus, uh, for instance, if you've never read the Gospel of Mark, 
It's the shortest of the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read. It's, this is not to compel you or to persuade you. It's to, it's to expose you to this amazing story that, if it's true, means that we can have a relationship and find the love that we've been searching for down deep all our lives. Don, thank you so much for being here, flying all the way to Fort Worth <laughs> to join us. This was, this was a great conversation. I want to thank all of you for listening to the Search Podcast as well. If you like this conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends. And we would love to continue the conversation with you. So if you've got a question or a topic you'd like to see us discuss here, send us an email, podcast at searchnational.org. And to find out more about Search and what we do, you can go to searchnational.org. So until next time, thanks for listening.